Hey friends, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and you are listening to our very first episode in 2021. This show is a safe space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. Think of this like a therapy session with your best friend. Oftentimes, God brings things up because they are on the way out. Lean into the topic God is bringing up today on relationships. No, you do not need to be married to glean wisdom and insight from today's episode. Be sure to stick around until the end of the show for a new short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Today's episode is brought to you by a free resource called Simple Steps to Clear Communication. I created this resource for marriages, but these practical counselor-proof strategies for communication can be used in any type of relationship. To download this one-page communication sheet, you can head to rachelgilbert.com forward slash marriage. I'm excited to introduce you to today's guests, John and Katherine Gordon, because not only are they a powerhouse couple, but they also gave us a word of wisdom for starting this new year off with a bang. If you're new here, I like to read the guest professional bio at the beginning of the show, but the first question I ask them is something random about them that we didn't read in their professional bio. Sometimes their answers are funny, and other times, actually quite often, the question stumps them. Either way, it makes for a great laugh. John Gordon's best-selling books and talks have inspired readers and audiences around the world. He's the author of 22 books, including nine bestsellers, The Energy Bus, The Carpenter, Training Camp, You Win in the Locker Room First, The Power of Positive Leadership, The Power of a Positive Team, The Coffee Bean, Stay Positive, and his latest, The Garden. John and his tips have been featured on the Today Show, CNN, CNBC, The Golf Channel, Fox, and Friends, and in numerous magazines and newspapers. His clients include the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Atlanta Falcons, Campbell Soup, Dell, Southwest Airlines, LA Clippers, Miami Heat, Pittsburgh Pirates, BB&T Bank, Clemson Football, Northwestern Mutual, Bayer, and West Point Academy. Well, while I don't have a professional bio on his wife, Catherine, to read for you all, she is equally as impressive and she has a heart of pure gold. I have to tell you, I loved the time that I got to spend with this couple. Okay, enough chit chat, enough reading of bios. Let's go ahead and jump into that conversation that I had with John and his lovely wife, Catherine. Well, hello, John and Catherine, and welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here today. Thanks for having us. It's great to be with you. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about your new book. But before we do, I like to do something fun with my guests. I read your professional bio in the beginning of my show, but I like to ask you what's maybe something, and there's two of you, so you could either choose one as a couple or one individually, but what's something random about you that I would not have read on your professional bio? We love to watch movies, eat popcorn. But I think that's in the book. (laughs) But not the bio. Oh, 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 in the bio. Oh, you cheated. Oh, my goodness. You're the first person who's ever found a workaround on that. You know, like most people are like, oh, my goodness, what have I never told anybody in my entire life? You'd be amazed (laughs) at the things people confess. And then afterwards, they're like, "Um, I don't know if I should have just confessed that out loud. (laughs) 
Okay. We confess to everything in the oh, book, actually. I thought of something, but I don't know if I should confess it. Probably not. I know. <laughs> All right. So you're going to keep it to yourself? <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll save you. We'll, we'll, I'll let you off the hook for right now, but uh, this is great. This is going to be fun. I can already tell. I love this. Okay. So what we're going to talk about today is um, your new book, Relationship Grit. Now, I don't know. Some people listening might go, well, what is grit? What, do you guys want to talk about that just for a second? And then um, how you came up with the principles that are in the book. Sure. So we were standing in the kitchen just talking about what we wanted the title of our book to be. And grit just came to us. And grit's an acronym. And it stands for God, Resolve, Invest, Together. And then John, if you want to talk a little bit about each of those. Right. In terms of in terms of grit, it was about sticking together, staying together through the challenges and the ups and downs. And you know, we know that individual grit is key for your success, but what makes a team gritty? What makes a relationship gritty? And it's about connection. It's about commitment. It's about the things that we talked about in the book. And we stayed together through a lot of ups and downs. So we knew that we always had this grit where we just wouldn't give up, where we were a little stubborn but also willing to stay the course, even at times when we didn't like each other. That's just part of our journey. And so I think it's a, it's a great term. And I work with a lot of sports teams. And in my work with professional college sports teams, I know that team grit is what makes a team successful. But no one ever really studies that or, or talks about that because everyone talks about individual grit. So for us, it was fascinating to talk about a relationship and how you stay together and how you keep moving forward. And we want other couples to stay together because we know a lot of them give up too easy. So we wrote this book for the couple that maybe would give up, but shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And if you shouldn't, you should do everything you can to stay together. And then after you do everything, then you could decide whether you should give up or not, but you first have to try everything. And so this book is for them. All right. And I just wanted to say that I felt really impressed on my heart as you were talking. There's some people listening today who you weren't even sure what today's show was going to be about, but God knew you needed to hear that word of you should not give up. You really want to, but you should not give up. Whenever I received your book in the mail, it you're singing the song of my heart right now because actually you may not know this. I am a grit instructor. Have you ever heard of grit? No. Yeah, there's actually a fitness program um, that it's put on by Les Mills, but it's 30 minutes of like intense, focused, you know, you are all in for 30 minutes. And so I've always just that word grit. I've always loved it. And then we actually had. So I was telling you guys before we hit record, my husband and I have been business owners. We just celebrated 10 years of owning our business. And I can't tell you the number of times that we wanted to give up in so many ways in business and our marriage. And somebody um, actually was one of my husband's patients. He, um, she gave him a word. She said, I don't know why, but I was praying for you guys this morning and the Lord gave me the word grit. Um, like that you two are a couple that has a lot of grit and we have just like really clung to that word. So I, obviously that's a personal note, but just that, just like you said, I feel like way too many people give up on things before, just before it's about to get good or just, you know, they just can't quite get over that. So I would love to hear, you know, you kind of mentioned, I know you go deeper in your book. What in your marriage have you had to kind of dig your heels in and just fight for it and just um, stick with it whenever things were just, it'd be easier to quit? Forgiveness. I mean, a lot of times in relationships, we 
we don't want to forgive or, you know, we've made a decision to do something and would feel weak if we caved or if we decided to stay in it and work through it. Does that make sense? A lot of people, it's an ego thing. Mm -hmm. And if you can put your ego aside, which ego means easing God out and really uh, make a decision to stick with the marriage and stick with, you know, working on your relationship together it's a beautiful thing, but a lot of times it, it involves really stepping aside and letting go of your ego. And for us, I was a jerk early in our marriage. And so that was the stuff that we had to work through. Catherine was great, but early on, you know, I was definitely young. I was narcissistic. I had two small children, responsibilities, stress and fear. And it was a tough time. I'm 30 years old, 31 years old and not really able to handle it all. And Catherine had enough of my negativity. She said, if, if you don't change, like we're over. And so we would have had grid if, if that would have happened. But her ultimatum was warranted. I respect her for it. She needed to say that. And then I had to change. And as I agreed to change, I was willing to change. That's a key is you really have to be willing. Yeah. And a lot of times somebody's more stubborn. And so he was willing to do what it took to stay in the marriage and work on himself. And that's a big part of it. Like I said earlier, this is for the couple that maybe is thinking about leaving, but, but or getting or growing apart or giving up, but shouldn't, but it's also for the single person who wants to be in a good relationship, who wants to learn what it takes to be in a great relationship, to prepare themselves for it, or someone who's in a relationship and maybe it's good, but it could be great. Maybe they need to do some things that they need to change to, in order to be a, a better husband or a better wife in that relationship. So, so it's, it's really for everyone, but you have to be willing to change. And I was willing. And a lot of times people aren't. And so I think that's where I had to give up my ego, right. Of, of and defensiveness. And then also, I mean, early on in our marriage, you know, there was, there was some infidelity where I was, you know, uh, looking outside, the marriage because it was so hard in it and it was so difficult and challenging. We know that a lot of young couples struggle with that, especially when the kids are young and the man doesn't feel loved. And he doesn't feel like he's getting the attention he wants and needs. And if he's not mature, he may start to look outside the relationship and there's no excuse for it, but we know that it happens. And so, so early on, you know, we had some of that. And then I told Catherine 10 years later, <laughs> so I didn't tell her at the time I told her years later and then what had happened. And, it, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to put into words in terms of um, it just wasn't good. And so, <laughs> so, so 10 years later, so 10 years later, when I, when I told her, you know, that was really something we had to overcome as well, but that made us even stronger during that time. And you want to talk about that and how you well, have to forgive me and overcome? Or? Well, yeah, but before I do, Rachel, I do want to say that's the what John's talking about before that in terms of being willing to change is the R in grit. It's the resolve that, you know, both of you have to resolve to want to make the relationship work. But in terms of what he's talking about in um, him telling me about his infidelities. So fast forward 10 years, 
we are walking on the beach and I was distraught because I had a dear friend of mine and several friends that were splitting up with their spouses because of infidelity. I'm walking on the beach. I'm telling John about this and how distraught I am. And this is seriously, this is so John Gordon, like horrible timing. (laughs) He stops and goes, I have something to tell you. I was like, what? And it ends up telling me about these, these things that he had done. And he felt like he just had to tell me. And of course, threw me into a total midlife crisis, but he felt like he needed to share it because God, it was on his heart that he wanted to have a pure, you know, nothing yet, not hide anything. And so we were able to work through that. And I wasn't, I wasn't guilty. It was the fact that I knew I needed to tell her because God was, was, was convicting me that there was something between us that was preventing us from having an intimate relationship, a really deep relationship. We were good, but we weren't great. And after that, we really grew in so many ways. And when this happened years ago, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't a person of faith. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't have a relationship, a strong relationship with God. And so for me, what happened was after Catherine gave me the ultimatum, I changed. And that's in the book where I share how I changed and my, I grew in my faith. And I just became a different person. Like God changed me from the inside out of, of who I was. It was like I was a new creation from this old person who, who did that. And I really felt like I was a different person. Then I become a writer and speaker and I start sharing this message. And, and now I'm traveling around the country and the world giving this powerful message and I'm making a difference and I'm impacting people. And I'm a new, I'm a new person, but I had this old, you know, sin, but I have to admit that what, ha- what had happened, right. I walked out where nothing major, major, major would happen. I, I got to just say, I walked out, but I still allowed it to get to that point. But I said to myself, when I walked out, I will never do this again. And he, I, he gave yeah. his attention yeah. and, you know, and, and energy to someone else. Yeah. No, but yeah. just to yeah. say that. Yeah. That and, that was and I will never do this again. And I literally walked out and I, and I, and I never, I never have. And once I started speaking and writing, like everything was, was always on the up and up. And I really believe that moment prepared me for someone who's going to be on the road all the time and get a lot of attention in that way. And I have become a person of faith and become a very faithful husband. So now when I tell her, right, years later, like, <laughs> I'm a new person. And I'm like, I'm not that guy. But for Catherine, it didn't matter. It was the hurt and the betrayal and that old pain for her came up. And we had to work through that. We needed a lot of grit during that time. Mm-hmm. So first off, I certainly made him pay for that dearly, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> but, you know, um, I have to say he never gave up. That was a switch for us because I was done. I was devastated. I was hurt, but he stayed so solid in his commitment to letting me know that number one, he was remorseful. Number two, he would never, ever do that again. And number three, that he loved me dearly. And it wasn't an overnight thing. I mean, it took, and we say this in the book. I mean, he, he came up with a family prayer. He said the prayer all the time. I wouldn't say it with him. And it was a slow changing of my heart. I really feel like God, it was God because I was very angry and we are of course. And we did get onto the other side of that and ended up being able to uh, cultivate a relationship that's, better than anything we ever had before. 
it's not something I recommend people do, of course, but in this situation, that's how it played out for us. Yeah. So the, the prayer was, was big. And again, that's something we talk about in the book. In the beginning, I would not say it with him. And then I memorized it, but wouldn't say it out loud. And then one day I really felt the change in my heart. And I said the prayer out loud. And then that started us on a new journey. And the prayer came about when I was on a plane talking to this guy and a stranger. And I'm telling him what happened. He didn't know me from Adam. I was telling him what, what I was dealing with. And he said, you know, my wife and I say a prayer before bed every night. And it's been a game changer for us. And so I prayed to God, God, what's our prayer? God literally gave me a prayer the next day. And wow. I wrote that. And it's God, we invite you into, into our, our marriage, marriage and family to, love, to us. love us, to heal us, to unite us, to strengthen us so we can grow strong together and serve you together and raise children that glorify and honor you. So I started saying that every night and Catherine, as she said, wouldn't say it, but then she started saying it. And then a couple of weeks after that, we were walking again. This was a more positive walk this time. <laughs> and God sort of gave me the, the knowing and the idea that we needed a covenant in our marriage going forward that we we're going to make a covenant with each other that and with through God right not just with each other not a vow but a covenant that we we're just going to be faithful for the rest of our lives and we had this covenant that we came up with and that that plus the prayer really bonded us together and then our relationship grew even deeper in God so that's why the, the G in grit is is God like you really need God as part of your marriage and so many people don't invite God into their marriage and I've had friends that say, you know, hey, I'm not really spiritual, religious, I like your book, John, but but for me, it's more like writ, <laughs> you know, they said, it's not grit, it's writ, resolve, invest together. And I'm like, what about God? Like, two chords are strong, yes. but, but you need that third chord that yeah. makes you unbreakable. And God is that third chord. And even in addiction programs, everyone needs a higher power. Mm -hmm. And so they need that greater power to give them strength. And on your own you're not going to be strong enough. But with God in your relationship, you'll be stronger. So so we do really feel like God is an important part of people's marriage. And, and we find the ones that really have faith and are open to God and allow God in, they have much stronger marriages. I mean, they're not perfect. No one's perfect. We all make mistakes. We all flaws. But but a lot of them are much stronger. And I, we think that a lot of couples just need to do some more praying together, some more trusting together, more surrendering, and really invite God to heal themselves and their marriage. Yeah. I love that you, I literally had looked down at the acronym and I had that same thought about when people strike out God, it's the writ because I deal with that all the time in my profession of just like you said, they think all oh, the resources are great, but uh, not the God thing. And, you know, they want to reject that element of it. And it's interesting because even in science, like in psychology, a lot of things, there's triangles that will um, show like certain patterns and different things. And I don't know if you've heard of triangulate triangulation where, you know, a couple will triangulate maybe a child in or an affair, or, you know, things like that. And the cool thing is if you actually put God in that piece, he closes up the triangle, you know? And so it's like, you're sealed in just the three of you, but whenever you remove God, now the triangle's open and then all kinds of things start swooping in and, you know, getting after you. So I, I love that you brought that point up because I, I had that same thought. I was like, huh, that's yeah. Okay. I can see how some people are going to try to get rid of the God element. Okay. So I do want to jump in. You both said some really amazing um, golden nuggets here, but I wanted to ask, cause I know people are listening today, particularly the women. I get 
I can't tell you how many DMs and emails about this topic of you guys have a I wouldn't say it's fairy tale because nobody wants to go through what you've been through, right? Like the junk that's ugh. The fairy tale part is the redemption that you guys have, right? Because a lot of people go through the ugh and the the infidelity and the b- divorcing and all this stuff, but um, not everybody gets to that point of the heart change and you know that the people that needed to change in the marriage change and and that you you know recommit to each other and all of this. So, Catherine, I don't know if you're best to speak to this, but what. What would you say, how can, if there's a woman listening today who goes, I want this for my marriage, but he's not there yet. Like he's not, you know, he wouldn't read the book with me if I asked him. He's, he justifies maybe what he did because he wasn't getting the attention he needed. I mean, all the stuff that we hear, you know, um, they, all these things. So what would you say to a woman who's listening, who's going, well, this sounds great, but what do I do in the meantime? since I'm kind of, it feels like maybe they're the only one fighting for their marriage. Um, you know, that that's a tough one because it does take two. However, let's remember what I said in the beginning when John first told me I was out. And um, what he did was continued to be so consistent in his love, in his faithfulness, in his commitment to me and the relationship, and in his remorsefulness. And of course, in the case of the woman that's wanting it, and it's the man that did it, that one wouldn't apply. But, you know, you have to continue to give that. That doesn't mean that she needs to tolerate abuse, though. That's, um, that's a game changer for sure. But, you know, it's a God thing. So it's the prayer and pouring that into the relationship. And I've seen many relationships come back together when the woman continued to stay steady and pray for it, for the marriage and stay in the marriage and try to show the husband the right way. But I think I'm going to let John talk about the other side of that. I think her, I think the woman being consistent like that is key. The man, too, if the woman is, on the other hand, is, is not being supportive or not being loving or not maybe wanting to stay in the marriage. I've had guys reach out to me saying my wife wants a divorce and I've changed and I'm working on doing this and she's ready to move on. We hear that a lot. And so I, it does take two. That's why the T is together. Mm-hmm. It does take two. If one person wants it and the other doesn't, it's not going to work. You both have to want it. So for the woman, I would approach the man and say, do you want to be in this marriage? Do you want this relationship? Because if you don't, we can't work on it. If you do want it, you'll do the work. So what's your commitment? You have to have commitment. I'm willing to do whatever it takes, but are you committed? And if he's not, well, then you may have to show him what it's like to, to not be together because he may have to know what's at stake. And I could be wrong on that, but you might think I'm wrong, honey, but that's what I think. And I'd say to the man, you've got to be willing to change. You've got to look at yourself. If you do something wrong, it's always your fault. Don't blame the spouse. You made the decision. Mm-hmm. You messed up. You own it. Don't blame them. You have to own it. No matter what happened, you have to own it. Yes, maybe you weren't good intention. There were other things, but you still have to own your behavior. And then from there, you have to make sure that you say, how can I change? How can I get better? What can I learn from this? How can I improve from this? And I think in that case, a couple really needs to come together with counseling, really needs to go deeper. Mm -hmm. They need to talk about their wounds. 
their issues, their challenges, their pain of the past, two imperfect people coming together and understand that this is a time to heal like that. If you don't heal now, yep. you're going to have to heal in your next relationship. That's right. And I can't tell you how many times I see that, you know, one of my friends leaves their marriage and then turns around to get into this other marriage. And no matter where you go, there you are. Oh, the same issues pop up. So at some point you need to work on it. Yeah. I was just reading um, something the other day in one of my textbooks. They talked about emotional sunburn. Have you ever heard of that? No, but that's... it's like with exactly what you're talking about. Some like I can't see that you're sunburned. So I come up and I pat you on the back and you go, ah, eh, and you gripe at me. But I'm like, wait, what? And it's because I couldn't see that, but you could. And it's all that, pat, you know, when we don't deal with our own junk, then we're just taking it to the next relationship and they don't see it on us, you know, but then we're yelling at them when they, you know, touch on that pain. So, um, okay. I like that. that yeah. Emotional sunburn. I'm going to have to remember that one. Yep. And you, and you, I just heard this say from Carrie Newell. If you if you don't if you don't confess, you can't address. Ooh, that's good. That's and so good. you have to confess it in order to address it. Well, what's yeah. the other thing you say? What you don't bring? What you uncover? Well, actually, what you cover? What you cover? God, God will uncovers. will uncover. And when you uncover it, then God will cover it with His grace. Oh, that's so good. I so you have that. to uncover it so that God can cover it with His grace. Otherwise, if you try to cover it up. God is eventually going to uncover it. We see that happen all the time. Mm -hmm. That's where you see the biggest names in the world. All of a sudden, they have a scar. The world sees their scars and their wounds, and it eventually is exposed. Mm -hmm. So you really do have to deal with it and address it. Yeah. Um, Could you speak, John, to any men who, I mean, this whole infidelity thing is, and looking outside the marriage, it is no respecter of age, of religion, of faith. I mean, it's like, you know, it's just every man I've ever met, it feels like, you know, has had some kind of struggle. So do you have any practical tips or any insider wisdom on that, like protecting themselves in that way? Yeah, I've I've heard you know, accountability partners, but my good friend, Erwin McManus, who's a pastor and he's the one who led me to Christ. He says, accountability partners aren't the cure because if you're going to lie to yourself and to your spouse, you're probably going to lie to your accountability partners too. Yeah. <laughs> so it really comes down to you making a decision between you and God. What kind of man do you want to be? And what kind of legacy do you want to leave your children? And what kind of role model do you want to give them? We told our kids what had happened. I did that because I wanted my kids to to know that I'm not perfect, that I was flawed and I am flawed, and that we all make mistakes and that there is redemption and restoration. Uh, they also found out because, you know, I mean, we, we felt like we should tell them. And, and Catherine, you know, was, was okay with they them. Were, knowing, they were older. They weren't older. Yeah, they, they were older. Handle it, so. so knowing that, you know, it's, um, yeah, I, I think that's, I think you have to make sure that you you go at it very honestly and openly. Yeah and, yeah. and then, and then I think also some other keys, I think a lot of men struggle with that for a variety of reasons, but it's to address the wound that you have. So you have to really find out and really identify what wound you're dealing with, knowing that there's an enemy, a father of lies, and he's going to try to attack you, attack you. And there's a spiritual battle going on. And he's going to try to separate you from your family and separate you from yourself and separate you from God. And he's going to accuse you. He's going to attack you in the place of your identity. I wrote about this in the garden, my newest book that just recently came out. And so we're all dealing with the spiritual battle. So as a man, you have to be on guard 
You have to understand the spiritual battle that's going on. And you have to know the wound. And once you know the wound in terms of like, what's your main issue? For me, it was abandonment, right? You know your wound is abandonment. Or maybe you never felt loved. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel valued. Not good enough. Not good enough, right? Know your wound. For me, when I was dealing with the dot-com crash and losing my job and I was negative and Catherine and I were having our struggles, you know, she, she basically got me to talk about my fear. She made me talk about it. And at the core of everything was I was, I was so full of fear of her actually going outside the marriage and me not being enough and me not being enough for her, me not being able to provide for her. And she would want to be with someone who made more money, was more successful and could provide for her like I couldn't. So I felt inadequate. So there's an unworthiness and inadequacy. And once you get to the core of that, right, and understand your wounds, then you can heal the wounds. And that's the key as a man. So, and a woman, know your wounds, work on healing the wounds, and know that your mind doesn't need fixing, your soul needs healing. Mm. And allow God to heal your soul so you can be actually more complete for your relationship. Oh my goodness, this is so good. And you know, one thing I I feel led to just kind of throw in here is I I feel like I've kind of thrown the guys under the bus on this conversation of like, the men are the problem and we just need to, you know, get after them. But I've been very open about that my marriage were actually flipped. Um, In the beginning, I was the problem child and my husband fought for our marriage. And um, I actually had something from him I'd kept hidden from the beginning years. And um, I'd gone to a women's conference and God tapped me on the shoulder and told me, you need to tell him. And I was like, <gasps> like the air get knocked out of you. One of those, like, I'm going to throw up. Um, I couldn't eat for the next, because the women's conference was a whole weekend thing. And I just fasted basically all weekend. Like, Lord, are you sure? Are you sure? And I told him when I got home and I will, it, I will just say, and I want this to encourage the listeners. Um, it got way worse before it got better. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I think that's something yeah. people need to know. It is not when you do, do, do that confession piece, um, it doesn't fix it right away because there's some stuff that has to be hashed out and some shock value that has to wear up and uh, the healing that has to take place. But I have to tell you, our marriage, I mean, our not only our marriage, but my relationship with my husband, with God, with other women, um, with what I'm doing now, even as a podcaster and a therapist myself, I can pinpoint it to that space and time when I allowed God to bring something into the light that was actually keeping me in bondage. See, I thought I was protecting myself and everybody, my husband and all this by keeping it. No, no, it was, it owned me. That thing did, you know? And so I also just like to share that sometimes because I know it's not always, you know, it's not always the male or whatever. It's just, you know, there's, you know, usually both parties have some, some kind of something that they bring into the relationship. Um, but I just wanted to drop that there too, in case the males are feeling picked on here in this conversation. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, I'd say about a quarter of my friend, friends groups, it's the woman who ends up doing that. So yeah, it goes both ways for sure. And I think if you invest in the root, you get the fruit. And so for you, like you said, there was something holding you back. And after that, you were free. And when we are holding on to our sin, we are in bondage. And so letting it go, and you're not doing it out of guilt or anything else, but as you uncover your own sins and uncover your own challenges and wounds, 
you allow yourself to heal and then you're able to heal in the marriage. You're right though. It does get worse before it gets better. It gets messy, right? It's messy. And and we all love change. Actually, ultimately what change produces, people think we don't like change. We actually don't like change. We just don't like transition. Mm -hmm. So it's a very hard transition to go through when you're open and honest like that. But eventually we love the change on the other side of that through a healed soul and a healed relationship. Yeah. John, you can tell that you're a speaker and an author because you keep dropping these one-liners that are tweetable. Uh, would you say invest in the root and get fruit? Is that what you said? Yeah, invest you, in the root and you will get the fruit. Yeah, okay. and so many of us focus on the fruit, the outcome, right? We focus on outward appearances and then we ignore the root, but the tree is dying. Yeah. And so inside your soul's dying, the tree is dying from a business standpoint, your culture may be dying, but once you invest in, in the in the root, your culture, your relationship, your your health, children, your children mm-hmm. invest in the root, right, and you'll yeah. get the fruit. So so good. Okay, well we're coming up to the end of our conversation. I would love your best advice for 2021, since this is releasing at the beginning of the year. I don't care what your advice would be. It could be for relationships. It could be for whatever you want to say. No pressure. (laughs) So I'm going to give my advice and then I'll let John speak. One of the things that we do every year, and John actually wrote a book on it called One Word, is we come up with our one word for the year. And we have family meetings, and that could just be you and your husband or you and your spouse, or if you have kids, every week, and we sit around the table. It doesn't happen as much anymore since both of our kids are grown, but we, we kind of connect, um, and talk about our one word and how it's being used and playing out in our life. And sometimes we have to remind each other of what our word is. And each person picks a word. So you have a different word for each member of the family. Yeah, it's not a family word. And the word gives you meaning and mission, passion and purpose. So it's a great thing to do around New Year's in January. And you pick your word for the year and how you're going to live that word and also why you chose it. And a lot of teams do this. Families do this. I've, I've done this with a lot of people. It's so powerful to pick your word and know your why and then share it with each other and then talk about it. And then you can hold each other accountable on how you're living your word for the year. Yeah. So what was how, yours in 2020? Mine was, mine was a uh, heart. And so with, um, with COVID when it hit in March, I was like, all right, my word is heart. I got to live from the heart, lead with heart, speak from the heart and love God with all my heart. And it's so amazing how my faith grew so much deeper during this time. Cause we had so much uncertainty as a writer and speaker, I'm not doing events on stages all this year, right? And so what's our future going to hold? It was a very scary time, but but with heart, right? It was amazing to see how God continued to work in my heart in the course of the year. How about your word? Just embrace. Yeah. Ooh. Embrace. <laughs> yeah. Just everything that's coming my way. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> my favorite tip for the new year is something I learned from a, a Navy SEAL. I had him on my podcast. His name is Chad Wright. And it was in March when everything was going on. And I said, um, tell me about, you know, how to be a Navy SEAL. He said, well, John, a lot of guys don't make it to be a Navy SEAL because they don't make it through Hell Week. He said, the reason why they don't make it through Hell Week is because they're dreaming for it to be over. They're longing for it to end. He said, the ones who make it just want to make it to breakfast. And I realized that the key to getting through tough times and the key to having a successful year is to win the day, like win today. 
don't worry about tomorrow. Control what you control. So this new year, right? Focus on one day at a time and how you can win today. And if you do that, right, you're going to win the future. If you worry about tomorrow, you're not going to win today. So it's about winning each day. Do that in your relationship, right? How can I make our relationship great today? How can I make myself better today? How can I stay positive? How can I live my purpose, right? You have to identify what win today looks like for you. Identify those things. Do them every day. And you're going to have a great year. Oh, I love that. Okay, so get a word for the year and focus on winning today. I love, I had a Navy SEAL on my podcast. I don't remember when it was, Don Mann. Um, His was one of the most listened to podcasts. They're just so full of that, like, get it done mentality that I feel like we just need more of in our world. So (laughs) I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you both again for taking the time to come on the show. I'm super grateful to have you on. And I can't wait for the listeners to get to hear this episode. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thanks, Rachel. Welcome to the first segment of Let's Get Real Practical. You can expect these to be at the end of each guest interview. We'll be sure to keep them short and practical because I know your time is precious. Since we talked about relationship grit on today's episode, I want to share a tool that I know will help build your relationships. I'm a Gottman Institute certified therapist, and this tool comes directly from their toolbox. It is simple and it's called building a love map. Now let's talk about what that is because you may have heard of it and maybe you haven't. So let's see what it is. So think of it like this. When you choose to spend your life with someone, you hand them a map to your inner world. Your inner world is of course quite complex, including the memories of your past, the details of your present and your hopes for the future. It includes your deepest fears and your biggest dreams. But the map you hand your partner is kind of like a pencil sketch. The task for new couples is to intentionally be adding details to that map. So it needs things like a scale or direction or a legend. And of course, over a lifetime, you'll be constantly adding things like landmarks and texture and color. All right, so you may feel like you know your partner pretty well. Things like, what do they like to eat? or their favorite movies, or what their face looks like when they're upset, right? You probably could answer all those things pretty quickly. But what about some of their stories from the archives, from their past? For example, I'm going to read you a few questions and see if you know the answers to these about your partner. Do you know who their best friend was when they were 12? What about their first crush? Uh, Actually, I don't know if we should ask that one because that could cause some fights. (laughs) All right, and how about this one though? How did your partner learn to tie his or her shoes? How do they draw a star? I mean, I honestly thought there was one way to draw a star, but apparently there's multiple. So here's what you can do. You can try picking an age, any age, obviously younger than you are now, and ask your partner to share a story about themselves at that age. So for example, let them choose. You could say, tell me a story from when you were 10, or what were you like at 17? Again, be careful of the stories you share with each other. We don't want to cause fights with this. We just want to get to know each other. There's so many stories that I know, I don't know about you, but like my husband and I, we've been married for 15 years and I'm still blown away how we always learn new things about each other. It's crazy. Even if you knew them at the age you pick, you may not have heard the story. So approach it like a journalist, get details, ask follow-up questions, and just be curious. And more than anything, have fun with it. Take turns picking the age and telling stories. Again, I want to just say this again. I really actually believe that this activity could be used in any type of relationship. So 
even if you're listening today and you're going, Rachel, I'm not in a romantic relationship. Guess what? You could totally do this with the best friend or someone you just met or I don't know. I mean, again, if you just met, maybe don't go too crazy deep and, you know, share your weirdest, darkest things. But you definitely could be like, so tell me something about when you were 10 years old. People just love to talk about things they love when we're interested in them. And you know what it does? It builds relationship equity. It's kind of like depositing into a bank account. It makes us have things that we can draw from when that relationship is in a hard place and you just get to know each other even better. Okay, so this concludes our Get Real Practical segment for today. I know this one was a little more geared towards relationships. Of course, it won't always be because this podcast is not just a relationship podcast, but that was the topic that we dug into today. Be sure to let me know if you enjoyed it, as of course, I always want to make sure that this show serves you well. All right, friends, that's all for today. I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing those God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.